Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 150. That's kind of mad. 100 episodes ago, we had Emma Gray and Ewan Irvin. 149 episodes ago, we welcomed Glenn Burrows of The Ethical Butcher. And I started the first ever episode by saying, yeah, I'll edit that bit out. Welcome back. It's terrible. The editing's shocking. I'd like to think we've moved somewhat forward. Now, here we are. 150 episodes later, along with my co-host, Mr. Edward Martin, which has been fun bringing him on for the secondary series, The All In podcast. Um, it's quite a big episode today, I'll be honest. We'll get into that in a wee minute, but I just want to do a quick, I guess, a thank you for everyone that listens. We're filming this about five weeks before this episode goes out. I'm going to guess we're probably going to be about 425,000 views total at that stage. It's became much bigger than I ever intended. It's allowed me and probably now Ed as well to meet more people than we ever really thought possible, which our guest today will um, really back up, uh, which was, what was quite exciting and fun to hear was at the Highland show when Ed said he had been noticed. That was a big thing for him, which he was very excited about. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been great fun. There's been some great fans out there. We, we, um, we actually do get noticed by the odd person, which is strange, but it's nice to hear that a lot of people enjoy the show because we do have a lot of great guests on. So thank you. Um, I normally do the, what the last episode was and what the next episode was, but I can't do that because we're filming it a wee bit in advance um, for such a big episode, such a milestone. Uh, and today's guest, I'm not going to say too much about them, but we'll get into that, is Miss Rose Davis. Rose, would you like to say hello? Hello, everybody. Looking, I'm, tell you what, I'm looking forward to this episode. Yeah. Uh, this one's been this one's been organised through Ed and Rose. Um, and before we get into the actual episode, do you guys want to say how you managed to meet? Because it is a small old world that this happened. Yeah. It's yeah. A funny one. Do you want to go with it, Rose? Um. So my two friends, Kelly and um Sam Rogers, uh, say are playing footy for Dumfries, and um I was living in London at the time, and I was just about to go back to Australia and I thought I'd go visit them before I um, leave. And, yeah, Ed kindly offered me a room to stay at his house and he, um, yeah, had, I was at his hospitality for, what, the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. A, it was a good weekend to be fair. Um, yeah, no, it was good. Closed than you are to me. You normally just treat me like shit when I come in here. Like, yeah, quite nice that you're nice to other people. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got to be nice to somebody. It's not going to be you, is it? So that's very true. That's quite clear. That's quite clear. Um, no, um, no, it was funny how it happened, but um, I'm glad it did, and uh, I'm glad we're able to have this chat now, and hopefully we'll just be able to get into. What you've done, Rose. So do you want to just give us a wee bit of background on um, who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a runner from Australia. I've represented Australia at the Olympics, World Chance and Com Games. Um, yeah, I just got into running like when I was young and, yeah, I've ended up at on the like world stage. So, yeah, it's been a long journey. But I'm only 23, turning 24 soon. So, yeah, I feel like my career is just getting started. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. I have never heard someone say, yeah, so uh, what I do is uh, <laughs> I represent Australia for Olympics. And, yeah, you just put that off so quietly and so sort of slipped <laughs> in there. And I actually think I'm going to do something slightly different. We do a thing, Rose, where <clears throat> one guest, when we have a guest on this all-in series, 
we ask them to ask a question for the next guest. And I think the way you've sort of said that, it probably just is perfect time for Hillary's question. Yeah. Hillary's question, who was the, the 77-year-old uh, snooker player we were talking about, um, we gave her a heads up that you were an Olympian, was how did it feel? And it's such a good question. Yeah. How did it feel when you knew I'm going to be an Olympian? Um, honestly, it was the biggest sigh of relief because I had qualified like months before and I was the third spot. So like they always take three spots, but okay. you never know if you're going until maybe like a month before. And it was COVID at the time, like it was 2021. I was overseas and to get back into Australia, I had to two week hotel quarantine. And I remember just saying to myself, imagine staying in that hotel for two weeks knowing that I didn't like achieve my dream and watching the Olympics on the um, TV and just being like, damn, I should have been there. So, um, yeah, when I finally got the call to find out I was going, I was like, I was excited, but it was like a more of a relief. <laughs> it's, it's such a weight. Like what it gets, yeah. you, you think of, I mean, from some, I think it's quite a high chance rules. I'm not going to be an Olympian. Uh, and <laughs> you never know. Those, you, you never know in fairness. I, I might see an Olympics. I have actually been to an Olympics, but I don't think I'm going to make it. Yeah. I watched, oh, when did um, you go to? I went to 2012, which was London, but the women's football, oh, yeah. was, the women's football was in Scotland. So oh, I watched yeah, uh, nice. a big fan of Alex Morgan uh, and yeah, uh, women's yeah. football. I don't watch yeah. much of it, but she's a fantastic player and I saw her play, which was really cool. But um, oh, where's going with that? Yeah, you think of it, you see this, you know, being an Olympian, competing at Olympics, getting the five rings tattooed, all that sort of thing. It's just like a, oh, that's ticked off amazing feeling. But there seems to be so much pressure at the time. It's not just a, I'm qualified, I'm going. There's so much more stressing around it. And do you feel, is, is there a big team feel in Olympics? You know, it's it, running as um, as an individual and also a team sport, but do you feel like part of the Australian team? Is that how it feels? Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess because you're travelling with the same people and you're all doing the same races, it is a big team aspect. Like, you're always bouncing off each other, like looking like if you have a bad race, you're looking for someone to bring you up or like people to celebrate the highs with you. So I wouldn't say athletics is an individual sport, but when you step on that track, you're the only one in control of the race. So, yeah, I would guess I would say it's like both, but um, I wouldn't be able to compete well without like my team around me. Yes. Um, could you, what distances do you run? So I run the 5K and the 10K, um, but I've only really competed, yeah, I've only competed the 5K, um, like, at on a world stage. Um, yeah, the 10K is brutal um, <laughs> at Worlds. And it's, I've, I qualified for the 10K last year at the World Champs, but I decided not to run it just because I wanted to focus on the 5K. Um, yeah. And I, what what is your PB for the 5K? What's your personal best? So it's 15.07. I don't know the points. <laughs> and um, yeah, my 10K is 31.18. That is utterly mental. Yeah. Like, wow. I'm quite happy with a 31 minute 5K. Never mind. I'm it's funny because so many people know 5K times, like, 
I feel like when yeah. I tell people I'm a runner, the first thing someone asks is, oh, what do you run for a 5K? It's either yeah. what's the furthest you've ever ran and then it's what do you run for a 5K? So <laughs> Sorry for being so basic. I feel like an idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should have chosen something else. I think you no. definitely got yeah. People are definitely asking that that are listening what the um, PB is. So just uh, answer the other question then. What is the furthest you run? Oh, like not very far. Only like every Sunday we do a Sunday long run. And I think the furthest I've read is like 31K. But, I mean, people run marathons. Like I've got so many friends that have ran marathons before me. So um, I wouldn't say that's that impressive. Thirty-one k is over a three-quarter marathon, though, and you just talk yeah. about it like, yeah, just doing a Sunday for the crack. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is good. I mean, there, there's been a bit of a theme, Rose. I don't know if Ed actually mentioned this to you, but Ed's clearly sitting here, um, you know, tacked up on muscles and places most people don't have places, and and he's clearly quite a fit guy. He likes to make sure that I get fitter and then take the piss out of me when I don't manage because I don't really try hard enough and he gets angry about this for me. But anyway, I'm just looking out for his health and well-being. <laughs> yeah, that's what a good friend does. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. I know, I'm, I'm aware of this. I just, yeah, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. But uh, <laughs> we, we, this, this podcast just seems to have became, with some sort of outliers, a sports podcast. Yeah, and, and my bad. <laughs> it's not, though. I think I've guided it as well. It's really interesting. You said, um, when I asked you about becoming an Olympian, you said, you know, is my dream going to come true here? And you, you said the word dream. How long has that been a dream for you? Have, have you always been into running when you were a kid? Like, did you see this being what it is now in a career when you were younger? Or, or would that just not be the case? Yeah, well... I remember, so I started running when I was young. I was probably 10 years old. And I remember sitting and watching the 2012 London Olympics. That's like the only Olympics I watched. Um, like I binge watched that. I remember I took days off school to watch that um, and like recorded it. So when it was over, I just kept replaying it. My parents were like, oh, my God, give it a rest. And I remember watching that being like, I want to be there. Like I... I mean, at first it started, I want to win a gold medal. I feel like every kid wants to win a gold medal. Um, but then when I started, you know, to get results and um, I was like, no, I really want to represent Australia and I want to do the best I can um, on the world stage. So, yeah, my dream started when I was quite young. Um, I've been in the sport for a while now. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's funny because when you do, so like say I achieved I achieved, like, I went to the Olympics, but you're never quite satisfied. Um, like, you always yeah. want more. And I wasn't happy with my race at the Olympics. Like, I I think I was so tired and mentally drained when I got there. I was like, well, I'm actually here. Like, this is a lot. It was my first um, time ever representing Australia. I never represented Australia when I was a junior. Um, so, yeah, it's funny when you achieve that dream, but then you walk away not satisfied. Um so, yeah, I feel like your goals change throughout, like, the years, and obviously they need to keep climbing. The, you, you, when you watch something like the sport you're in, and, and maybe even more so, like, 100 and 200 metres, what we see is, is that, I, I guess in Olympics, fans is the word, but also just there's so many people that probably don't follow these sports, and then the Olympics, they follow it. They see it for, you know, 
10 seconds in the 100 metres, 20 odd seconds in the 200 metres, yourself 15 minutes. But there's four years, and I think with 2025 years, I guess, because it was delayed to 21, wasn't it? Tell us what that's like, because that's physical work. And it's, I assume, an insane amount of mental fortitude to be able to focus on that one defining moment for, you know, 1500 days. Tell us about that. Well, for me, I try not to think about that. I like, obviously, in the back of my head, I know I want to be there and I want I want to make finals and I want to run. I want to make, like, run the best I can. Um, but I think there's so many little races in between those four years that are stepping stones to get there. And, like, every year we have pretty much a major. So, like, this year I competed at the World Champs um, in Budapest. Last year I competed at the World Champs in Eugene, had Com Games. Um, next year, well, next year is obviously the Olympics. But I feel like you're not really thinking about that specific goal, or well, me anyway, that specific goal for four years, but it's those little steps that you're taking to, you know, in the long run is going to achieve that. So how how long before the Olympics was it that you found out that you were going to be going to the Olympics? Um, so it was about a month. Um, I think the so there's a qualifying period. Um, I can't tell you when it starts. I think it's already open, but um, it ends about a month before um the the games, which is really like not that long. No, it's um, a really short turnaround. Yeah, especially if you don't know if you're, um, like, compete, like, if you're, like, on the edge, you have to, like, you have to mentally prepare that you're going, but you also have to have in the back of your mind that it might also not be a possibility. Um, but, yeah, I think for 2021 it was just a bit harder because it was COVID and um, before the Games I had to quarantine because um, Japan's um, rules were so strict and I was in London and London was considered as a red zone. So I had to quarantine for two weeks before the Olympics, like hotel quarantine. We could only run around like an athletics track. And um, so we, I did about, I think I did like 125, 130K around a 400-metre track in a week. Um, yeah, yeah. So like we found out we were going and then like a few days later we were on the plane to go to Japan. So it was, yeah, it was quite a fast turnaround. I think um, this year, like these years is like not as far, like you still can be over in Europe. So say you don't make the Olympics, but there's still other races you can do in Europe and you can still make your time worthwhile. Because for us Australians, like it's so far to go home. It's not just like, oh, we'll just, you know, drive back, like, or get a quick flight in Europe. So, yeah. yeah. There's... um. Yeah, I, I think that, like, I'm really trying to wrap my head around that. Just you're needing to peak, like, only a month before you go to these games to just try and even just qualify to get there. You need to peak physically then. That must be a real challenge to mentally and physically then have to peak again only a month later. Like, what in that month, kind of how much downtime did you give yourself and how did your training lie out for that? Because that must be quite a challenge to plan that. Yeah, um, I didn't, don't, didn't get any downtime. Like I was still training hard. I was in um, St. Moritz in Switzerland on a training camp. So I was probably training like 
the hardest I've ever trained in that time. Um, so I actually, for me, it was quite easier. Um, I qualified, like I ran a qualifier back in March. The Olympics were in uh, end of July. So I just had the mindset I was going um, that whole time. I deleted social media and everything so I didn't see like what people were running because, yeah, it was my spot that people were going to take. Um, and it was like stressing me out. Like I, I'm not like a very anxious person, but I was stressed. And um, so, yeah, I just pretty much just trained as hard as I could, like, like I was, and I don't like, I don't taper that much for races. Like we probably, I find that I get very sluggish if I like have downtime or if I taper. So I like to just train through and I probably only like start pulling it back maybe like five days before I race. Yeah, no, I suppose everybody's kind of different in that way. Like some people will like to have like the week before it, like almost doing nothing. Some people just want to keep going fully at it before they do it. But the the mental strength to be able to run around a track for 130 kilometers, how, how do you manage that? Because I do a little bit of track and I'll do like 8K and I'll think, God, I, I couldn't do like... <laughs> I definitely couldn't do like five times it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I can say I didn't enjoy it at all. I'm pretty sure I can blank <laughs> every lap. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I didn't have a choice. Like, and there was like, I think there was about 15 of us there. So it made that made it a little bit easier. Um, it was funny. Like the first day, we're all running together, and we're like, oh no, this is going to be such a long week. By the end, it was literally like everyone single file, strung out. Everyone was sick of talking to each other. Like we were just like, let's just get it done. Um, yeah, like I did enjoy that, but I feel like it's just what you have to do. Like I, like Japan was so strict, I could not even like jump the fence to get out onto the streets. I would have stuck out like a sore thumb, um, like in my full Oz kit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know, like. It wasn't it wasn't fun and I didn't enjoy it, but I knew I didn't have a choice. Yeah. From from a nutrition perspective, Rose, what does your it will be different at every stage, I understand, but what does your mm. last four weeks, let's say, before a competition look like? Yeah, so um I am very like I do very similar training like all throughout the year. So I usually average like around 140 to 140k a week um and that's consisting of like a track session tuesday a threshold run which is um just like a 30 minute run within your threshold heart rate and um then hills um or something similar to hills on saturday and with a sunday long run and my sunday long run usually ranges between like 145 to an hour to two hours um I usually get to between 25 to 29k in that um yeah so I pretty much just hold that um until I like probably taper week and then taper week I do I do the exact same but I just take it back probably like 20 percent and is is there are you um do you have like I don't know if it's consultants or it's nutritionists to help you from a food perspective yeah, you, I don't I don't have a nutritionist myself, but um I know like they're very popular. I think 
I, I know now what works for me. Like I, I don't restrict myself too much. I just sort of know what's sort of good and what's not. Like make sure you just got to make sure you get your carbs in, hydrolyte, like water, um, yeah, base, like just like the basics and um, you'll be fine. You just need to, I think so many athletes under fuel, so I'm very conscious of that. So I'm always making sure that I'm getting like the right fuel in it, especially when I'm in peak training. It's funny, like I'm injured at the moment, so I'm not running at all. I haven't ran in about four weeks, but like I was laughing like today, yesterday, sorry, um, about the difference, like how much like little I'm eating now compared to what I am in peak training. And I'm like, God, I don't understand how I have time for that. Like yeah. it's, yeah, like I, because I'm burning so much all the time, especially when I'm at out, we do a lot of training at um, altitude. Um, so at altitude, obviously you got to take more, um, food in. It's just like, I don't think about how much I like eat, but I just know sort of, yeah, lots of carbs. <laughs> yeah. Do you train, do you train at altitude for a reason or is it just where you are? Um, no, I train at altitude. I'm a, I'm based at sea level, um, in Australia, but yeah, I, we go, so this year I spent about two months in Hoyos del Espino, which is about two hours from Madrid. Um, yeah, so we did a four-week training block. I came back to London for two weeks. I did like a few races, did the London Diamond League, and then I went back to Hoyos um, before World Champs. But I usually do around probably like four to five um, altitude camps a year. Um, it's good for me because I like, I like to get away from like everything at home it's good like you switch on you're there for one reason that's to train there's always a race after um and I actually I genuinely love running at altitude I find like I love running in the mountains it's so beautiful and I find it like really benefits me um yeah just switching on getting away and yeah obviously the uh fitness benefits too yeah yeah you said about Sorry, you gonna say something? No, 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 you're right. Um, you said about your injury that <laughs> it's annoying when we all get injured. Yeah, even if you work <laughs> at a desk or you're whatever, but it must be incredibly frustrating in your job. It is. Yeah, I. This is like the longest I've been out since. Oh, I was yeah eighteen. Um, yeah, so it's been really frustrating. I had I've had it niggling like it was there for maybe like two months before I raced Worlds and Worlds was um I raced on the 23rd of August so it was yeah I've had it for a while um and I raced Worlds and I thought maybe I'll just have a few days off and see how that goes and um like yeah I haven't ran since (laughs) so hopefully I'm back running next week but yeah it's been like quite annoying especially now I'm not working so I'm like waking up and I'm like trying to find an activity that doesn't you know hurt me and like trying to fill in my day I've been I've been swimming a lot and I don't like swimming (laughs) (laughs) yeah like I'm not enjoying being injured I can tell you that but look it's a part of the job I guess like everyone's got to go through it I'm still not sure hopefully it was a cyst at the bottom of my hamstring, which is like really random. Every time I've seen a doctor, they're like, mm, yeah, not too sure about this one. So hopefully, 
yeah, I got it injected with cortisone yesterday. So hopefully now I'll be okay. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Yeah, hopefully. But it's better happening now than in a year's time when you're um, hopefully going to be looking at an Olympics. So Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're the next year's Olympics. Paris. Paris. Oh, yeah. Because of that. Yeah, the boys are saying that's, yeah. that's the. Um, potential plan for them uh, through the summer. Speaking of Paris, I think it'd be a really good Olympics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely yeah. No, speaking, speaking of Paris, are you three going to Rugby World Cup or no? Nah. So spending, man. Yeah, so spending. Yeah. It's it's mad. Like if if you want to go to the World Cup final, like over that weekend, you'd need to part ways for like three grand. Is it? Like well, everything in total. Like and, yeah, yeah, I know. Like five hundred pounds for a ticket, probably, and flights will probably triple the price, and hotels will be triple the price. Jeez, um, but that's why they want to host the World Cups, isn't it? Yeah, so, what's that? Um, mm. It's. I think I'm. I'm just trying to count in my head, Rose. You've you're obviously from Australia, lived in Britain. Uh, sounds like you've competed in Tokyo. You've been in Spain. You've been in was it Bulgaria? There's I, I think you said Bulgaria. Maybe, maybe um, Budapest. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, so what's that? Hungary, Hungary, Hungary. Yeah. Um. So you certainly travelled the world, and I'm guessing you haven't mentioned them all there. How how is that? I mean, you probably don't even get chance to see this, but how is that side? Do you get chance to see these countries you're in, or is it land, train, compete? fly again or yeah. Again. yeah um a lot of the time it depends like when I was in Spain I was there for a while so I got to see like a fair bit of Spain but most of the time especially for races it's you fly in the day before you race race and then you're out of there um but I mean there are those odd races where I get like a, a bit of downtime so I always try and like see the sights um but yeah I guess like from from my perspective, I think I see a lot, but then people that actually go on holidays to Europe, they're probably like, oh, yeah, she's like, I don't know where she's staying. Like that, it, I will say like, oh, I'm in Paris, but I'm about like 30 minutes from the city, you know. So um, I got to see a fair bit of Budapest. I was there for nearly two weeks all up and I raced um, quite early in the program. So that was cool. Like I probably had like 10 days um there I definitely saw all of Budapest <laughs> I was running out of things to do by the end of it but yeah I guess probably not I don't get to see as much as I would like but I guess I always know like when my season ends I'm, I'm always like all right let's go on a holiday like that's when I deserve to see because like you can't go on a holiday mid-season that's like yeah yeah and when when you land you mentioned Spain there I'm gonna assume you know, at least not even, it doesn't even matter which country, but you're saying you land and next day you're competing. Is there not, mm. I mean, maybe I haven't been daft here, but is there no impacts of like, are you just conditioned to deal with the likes of jet lag and that sort of thing? Or are you just, it doesn't affect you and there's people out there that it will, that will land sooner. How do you deal with that sort of thing? Oh, so if I'm coming from Australia, I'll usually come like maybe like two oh. weeks before a race. Okay. So yeah, I do. I do get jet lagged, unfortunately. <laughs> I always, I always, I'm in denial, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not jet lagged, but I definitely am. And I'm waking yeah. up at four a.m. every morning. 
Um, but when I'm once I'm in like Europe or the UK, like because the flights are so short, um, I'm usually fine. Yeah. Um, most like most people in Europe are like the same as me. And I guess like you're probably not going to compete like your very best every time doing that. But it's that's just the nature of the sport. You can't be like flying in a week before the race, every single race, because you'd, you'd run out of time. We race so much. Um, so, yeah, you at first I thought it was like I found it quite tough. I was like, oh, my God, so I'm going to this country and the next day I'm going all the way to this country. Like, what? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm used to it now. Like, this is my third year um, doing, like, the European season. So, yeah, I'm quite accustomed to it. Yeah, you'd be tough to get accustomed to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty wild, that, to be fair. Yeah. Um, when you look at it, um, you you so you're specific. So let's even consider five thousand meters um, or or ten as well. Uh, I've, we've had, we've had a few sports folk on here. We've had footballers. We've had um, timber sports uh, champions. We've had a fair chunk of folk, and I really like to ask people in their sport who's who's the best. Like who's now? Obviously, Rose, you're the best in our eyes. Definitely, you're going to be. <laughs> but who's who's the sort of currently the best in your game and then also from a i guess like an all-time perspective who's that person oh all time that's so like i would say in the world in the women's at the moment it's definitely faith kip yagon or um god i don't know her first name i know her segai um segai sorry so they're Faith Kip Because I've just looked that up. Gudaf, Gudaf Shaggy, Shaggy. Yeah, Gudaf. Yes. yes, yes. So she's the world record holder at the moment. She just broke that uh, last week um, in at pre, um, which is like so. In athletics, we have like a circuit called the Diamond League, um, and then there was the Diamond League final um, in uh, Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. So yeah, um, Gudaf Shaggy broke the world record there she broke it by a lot like six seconds or something I think she ran like 1401 um so yeah it's probably her and Faith Kip Yagon um in my like in the women's and I guess well because they're the world record holders Faith is the world record holder for the 15 and she was the world record for the 5k until Sege broke it so I guess they're the greatest of all time too you can't get much quicker than them well, yeah. Just just while you were saying that, I was googling the names. Fourteen minutes, That's and bad. not even half a second on top of that. That's insane. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, you know when you when you look at you guys that are like sort of the absolute elite in fitness, it's it's so. Is it the word? It, oh, I don't know what the word is. It's just it's amazing to see like and see yeah. that the the training, the conditioning, the work that goes into it to then create that phenomenal feat which is, as I said earlier, sort of over a short period of time. And another question I ask quite a lot of people is, and I think you are in the position that this is the case, Rose, you know, we, we've had folk on in sports that maybe aren't quite creating a living from it. Is is competitive running at a stage where most athletes are able to to be able to focus on it entirely and not have to have full-time jobs? Or, or is there still quite a lot of people that can't create a full living from it? Yeah, so I would say no. Um, most athletes are creating a living from it. Most athletes have to either seek sponsors like outside of athletics or, you know, work and try to juggle both. I guess I'm 
in a pretty lucky um, position where I don't have to work full time at the moment, but you never know how long that's going to last. So yeah, I'm taking it while I can, but yeah, definitely there's not many athletes that can do that. There's like full time, um, which is, yeah, it's sad because no, if you're work, like, it's so tough to juggle both. Like I de definitely couldn't do it. Um, you're just not recovering and like, it's just not going to be your sole focus and like, yeah, have to sometimes alter training, like training should be your main priority, you know? So yeah, hopefully that can change in the future, but yeah, for now it's definitely very behind. I guess, I guess when you're doing that and you're, you're working a full-time job and you're training, um, I'm just as someone who doesn't do it, I, I walk and that's it by the way, but uh, as I'm guessing what you are going to reduce priority to is I don't think you're going to prioritize rest because you're going to be working, you're then going to be training, and rest is going to be the last thing. We know how important it is. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things you hope that can sort of be supported. But you know, it says on says on your Instagram, and I think it's pretty cool. You're a you're a New Balance athlete. That's that's got to feel pretty cool. Like you know, that's, yeah. that's got to feel like that's got to come with a hint of pride, which it should do. You know? Yeah, no, it's great. I love New Balance. I've been with New Balance since 2019, 2018 maybe. Um, so, yeah, they're a great brand. Um, I, I genuinely love their shoes and I love their product and they support me pretty well. So I guess I was lucky that, you know, my manager was able to get that for me when I was quite young. Um, some people don't have the same opportunities. Um, so, yeah, no, New Balance is good. They have cool shoes. Yeah. Everyone's always complimenting me on my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> they're great shoes. I mean, I, I I don't have many running shoes that what you'll be wearing, but uh, yeah, they're comfy shoes. They're bloody good. Yeah. And I, think I won't be critically analysing shoes as much as you will be, I don't think. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, actually, I actually bought a pair of running shoes literally just the week before Rose was here. And um, she actually said they were a good pair of running shoes to buy, so I was, quite, I was quite proud of myself. Yeah, I noticed them when I walked in. I was like, oh, it's a bit of a runner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, literally, I'm pretty sure I'd run in them once when you'd seen them. What did you get? Um, yeah, they looked fresh. Like, that was a night, to be fair. I'm just going to quickly Not interrupt what we're talking about. I've just chipped my tooth. Have you? In that class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ow. Yeah, just a little bit. Nice. Oh, that's a horrible yes. feeling. That's horrible. That yeah. Horrible. So I'm going to let you speak for a minute, Ed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I going to ask there? So have you been, like, a full-time with the running since you were 18, since you kind of started it? Yeah. I've had little jobs on the side, just, like, when I've been, like, home. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been pretty much full-time runner since then. I don't really, like, I calculated this year I'll only really spend four months, maybe three, in, like, I live in Newcastle um, in Australia. So I'm not home much, so I don't think anyone's going to hire me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been, I was on a training camp, um, like, pretty much all January or February, home for March april away to europe may like away all the way until september and then i'll only really spend um october no october and december at home because i'm going away in november on a training camp so yeah i'm not home a whole lot um so it would be pretty tough but 
yeah, I, yeah, I'm just in a lucky position at the moment. So I'm going to take that while I can. Yeah, it, it's that must be quite difficult for the people that aren't in the position that you are that don't have to find work. Like, as you say, try to find a job that, yeah, I can do this month and then I can't do it for the next two months. And yeah, maybe we'll be back the month after, depending on how I do. Like, yeah, and I still live at home with my parents, so I'm not paying rent. So I'm like, again, I'm yeah. lucky on that. I'm sure if I had like more bills I had to pay, I would be struggling a bit more. Um, and yeah, so I mean, I can only live at home for so long. So we'll see how that goes soon. But yeah, my parents are good. They're they're always supporting me. So. Do you miss home when you're away? Um, I'm like I miss home, but I more like miss when there's like a big occasion on and I can't be there. So yeah. like for example, like my cousin got married when I was away and like I couldn't go. Like just like things like always like you know when your friends having a birthday or like you know big occasions that you're just like damn I wish I was there. Um, yeah. and like I always get like. At the end of the trip, I'm always like, oh, I'm so keen to get home. Like home always feels like a bit of a holiday when I come here. Yeah. But I I like to be on the move. So I come home for like two weeks and then I want to see, I want to go somewhere else because I'm like, I'm sick of this place. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I suppose that's probably quite a common theme with all like professional athletes that like you've just got to sacrifice missing a lot of them big moments. Um, yeah yeah come first but how um so you're 23 now um 23 yeah how can a long did you expect or hope for a career in running um yeah I feel like when I was young I was like no I'm done at 25 and then I'm like oh like god I want to keep going for as long as I can like 30 so young like there's so many girls that are 30 or like older running like the best they've ever ran so like if you're if you can stay injury free and like healthy like your career can be so long like I so um Sinead Diver who's our Australian marathon uh record holder the Australian record holder for the marathon um she's in her 40s and like she's running the best she's ever ran so like your like your career can be like long, but I think you have to do it. Like you got to make sure you stay healthy, do all the right things when you are young. Um, yeah, to keep your body all intact. Does the distance get longer with age? I'm basing that on people um, that do five k, ten k. Barra went five k, ten k to marathon, didn't he? And then yeah, yeah, like very commonly they do, but you always get like the odd person that comes down. Um, I, I want to run a marathon um, eventually. Um, maybe not yet. Maybe like after sometime after Paris, um, yeah. which is actually next year. So <laughs> maybe soon. Yeah. But um, yeah, for me, like I think my distances will get longer. I don't think I'll be stepping down to the 15. I would love to be able to run a 1500 now. <laughs> but um, yeah, very commonly, yeah, they do. Yeah. Because I think, like, I don't know for sure, but, like, sprinters, they'll have a kind of shorter 
um, <laughs> longevity compared to long distance, just because like you do get slower over time just with age, um, just how your body wears, but maybe long distance running, it doesn't affect you as much. Um, yeah. So is there any, is, have you ever had any other um, career ambitions that aren't running? Yeah, I actually, yeah, I get asked this question a fair bit and like, it's kind of sad because no, not really. <laughs> Uh, I love um, that. I yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not a like I was studying at uni, but I just found that wasn't for me. I've never been like a very career driven person. I think because all I've like really cared about, or not cared about, but all I've really been like solely focused on is like running because I love it so much. Um, yeah. I'm hoping a career maybe falls comes to me. Like, if I can think of yeah. something, that would be great. But yeah, most yeah, it's just been running really, which is quite a boring answer. <laughs> I, I see. I actually disagree. Yeah, I think that just shows the drive you have for the thing yeah. you're clearly proving you're good at. <laughs> you know, you're at yeah. the absolute elite. Is is there careers? Is is there? I don't want to say readily available because that sort of takes the credit away from them. But is is there careers available? Because you know you're saying um, the lady I forgot her name who has the marathon record in Australia. Is, is running into her forties, but I guess there's not many people competing competing into you know forty five and higher. Is there careers in athletics for coaching for you know that sort of thing that you can continue on in the sport but just not competing at the top level? Yeah, for sure. There's so many like coaching opportunities, um, like working somewhere in athletics. I think if you really want to like dive into that field, there's like there would be something. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, there's lots of opportunities there. So I don't know, maybe that will be me. I'll figure it out. I'm just hoping something comes to me in the near future because, yeah, I probably should start thinking about that. <laughs> I don't think, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I think listening to you, Rose, you, I don't think until you decide to wind down you'll you'll find that thing because <laughs> it's clear that this is your thing yeah. for now. Yeah. And until you've satisfied whatever it is you're trying to satisfy, and whatever target that is you hit or whenever you realise that this is time, I think this is your focus. And it's quite clear. It's actually really inspiring. Like, I love yeah. to see that. Just a proper direct drive or something. It's really cool. Yeah. Love I, it. I, I, I heard some of it once and it was like um, someone trying to tell someone that was trying to make it as a professional athlete and they said, oh, like you've got to have a plan B in case it doesn't work. And they're like, nah, I've got a plan A. And when plan A doesn't work, I'm just going to make a second plan A. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. Don't tell my parents that because they are always like, "Come on, Rose, Plan B. What are we doing? We're going to uni." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll get there." <laughs> nah, nah. When this fails, you just make a second plan A. That's what you do. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. I'll say that to them next time they ask me. <laughs> yeah. What, what was the one? This is taken away from, um, sort of competitive athleticism. It's still people that are extremely fit, but there is a wrestler, WWE wrestler, and I know it's a completely different thing. They're clearly fit folk, but one of the guys, Triple H, who's now like the CEO of... of I love Triple H. He's my favourite oh, wrestler. so glad there's someone else who's another fan. <laughs> I was, I, this could go one of two ways. People are going to take the mick out of me for choosing this. Or no, I love Triple H. He was always yeah. my favourite. Him and Shawn Michaels. 
Bro, is you've made a massive mistake here, eh? You can <laughs> leave, like we're good. Uh, he, he said he was on a contract by WWE when his name was Terror Rising, which is a funny name. Um, his contract was offered to him, whichever the fee was, and for a year. And he actually got offered a three-year contract um, for a little bit more. He said no, and the guy said why. And he said because when it comes to a year from now. If they don't want me, I don't need to be here. But what's going to be the case is they're going to be paying me 10 times more. And I yeah. love that drive, which is kind of like that. Yeah. Like, this is my focus. It's happening and I don't care. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I need yeah. to channel my inner Triple H. <laughs> Just pure pedigree in the competition. That's funny. That's really funny you say that because um, I was actually sending um, Kel, who lives with Ed, all these, like, weird wrestling videos. And he was like, Oh, you're so weird. Why are you watching this? And I was like, nah, it's so good. <laughs> well, I know you follow me on Instagram now, Rose. Feel free to send them my way. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's content all day. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. No, that, that, that's the kind of like small 1% things, like mindset wise, though, I think is what separates just the people that almost like they're probably naturally talented enough but don't make it compared to the people that make it i think they're the kind of small thing yeah i guess so i've never thought about it like that but yeah i'll take it (laughs) i know you've been in a few podcast rows but what's really interesting from my perspective obviously this is episode number 150 i've interviewed a few people before (laughs) there's a there's a few folk i've interviewed and you can normally sort of beat around the bush. Like, this is the thing we want to talk about. Like, with you, yeah. Ed, it was probably probably focusing most on, on the farm, but then we could look at rugby and young farmers and whatever. There's only one thing we can talk about. Yeah. I mean, maybe wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you can be in there, but it's just running, 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 running. Yeah. And I'm absolutely fa- fascinated by that fact of just how how strict it is. Um, what's, well, I mean, obviously, we know what the obvious goal is, but... Um, you're currently injured, which must be, as we went over, painfully frustrating, but painfully in two ways. But Olympics is next year. Is training already started, even though you're injured at the minute? Is the planning for training to qualify started? What's what's next? What's coming up for the next, what will be, 10 months for you? Yeah, so um, honestly, I don't think about what my training is going to be in the future. I just get told which <laughs> some people, you know, like to be in the conversations, but nah, I just, I'm just like, okay, what are we doing this week? All right, cool. I'm sure like with my coaches and my manager, um, there's definitely like lots of forward planning. Um, but yeah, for me, I obviously, I know Paris is going to be soon, but yeah, my goal is to get better. I'm going on a training camp in November just for fitness, like get back to, you know, the fitness I was at before I got injured and yeah just start racing I think we've got a few races in January I won't start properly like switching on for the Olympics until I probably go overseas um and go back to London in maybe April why why is it you're in London so much is it because it's closer to Uh, yeah so my manager um he has a house there um in Teddington so um it's too hard to fly to and hop from Australia like all year round like you'd just be on the plane like for weeks (laughs) so I usually just come over 
in about April, May time, spend, we base in London, fly to and from races there, go on training camps and then fly home usually like September, October, depending on what races I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I probably spend about five months there, like all up. So yeah, I'm pretty lucky my manager has a house there. Otherwise, yeah, it would things it would be tough. <laughs> yeah, it's very handy. It's very yeah. handy. Yeah, so Rose is saying there's like 15 athletes like live in this house at the same time. Oh really? So there's there's two beds upstairs, three beds in my room. Yeah, there's like probably like eight people there, but we there's like too many people now in our squad that come. So, like, we have to get places, like, nearby. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of us in the house. Cooking is time is so stressful. I can <laughs> imagine, of, yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of things for the kitchen. Um, oh, yeah. Does your manager have a house or a hotel? That must be uh, yeah. an in London. Yeah, oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, if you go out the front, you'd be like, you. I reckon people that, like, because there's a pub next door, I reckon people would see us, like, walk in being like, what? is this house like what do people do here because <laughs> there's just people like it's just a revolving door and like it's like a new person every time yeah and i can it'd be funny from like the outside looking in definitely looks like they're filming like um oh what's that you know how it was like uh i can't think of an example like reality tv shows like big brother like it's like a house yeah like, like yeah. oh that person's not running well they're going home new person comes in <laughs> <laughs> Today, Rose Davis has left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, oh, this is I, I like, I couldn't live like that though. Like, because if someone went out for a run at like six a.m. and I was still in bed, I'd think, shit, I've got to be running. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, no. So we all run together, which is like also oh, quite funny. Like, literally every day, too. Like, because I run morning and night. Um, we're like doing every single run together so i mean that's like we run at 9 30 and 5 30 um so does yeah that, quite leisurely times yeah does that does that help running with other yeah people? it does yeah yeah does it, for sure it it may help i think people. so yeah yeah maybe like a few people like if they don't want to run with the group they'll run off or go a bit slower oh. so they can have like their own time but I mean, I like running with people. Even like we literally have spent like we spend all day every day together. There's we somehow still find a way to chat. But even if like you're not chatting and it's just like you just know someone's there, especially when you're hurting, you just both like in the hurt locker together. It does make it that little bit easier. And this this might be a completely stupid question to folk that know about this world, but are all these people Australian or? No, yeah, so in my group, like, they are, but so my group, so there's Melbourne Track Club is my group, and then there's Dublin Track Club, which is based in Dublin, um, and we go on, like, training camps together. We're, all we're like, pretty much, like, we say Dublin Track Club is, like, our, like, brother group, you know, in Europe, the Melbourne Track Club of Europe. So, yeah, we do, like, like there is other people from other countries there. Sometimes, like, I don't know, there's, like, we have – like oh I don't know my manager Nick finds like lots of people and new people show up all the time so yeah it's not just Australians and we also link up with other groups in Teddington which is like in London where I'm based there's so it's like like the capital of running there's so many runners there um so uh, I don't know if you know him Jake Whiteman he's 
he's Scottish. He was the world. He won world champs last year. Um, yeah, he lives in Kennington. Jake Wyman, yeah, he's Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be why I haven't heard of Teddington before, because <laughs> I'm not a runner. Uh, um, yeah, that's good. like there's so many runners in Teddington um, that you just like sort of run into. Um, so yeah, no, it's good. I love it. I love Teddington. It's a great place. This could be a weird one, right? I'd love to see a snapshot of the fridge in that house. Yeah, it'd be so cool. A bit like, yeah, yeah. I bet there's not one. I don't bad think. I don't want to disappoint you guys, but I just don't think it's as cool as what you think. <laughs> That's yeah, just maybe like, it definitely doesn't look like my fridge. <laughs> I know no, that. I mean it's always full. I can tell you that. There's, it's always like if you go to the shop shops, it's like stressful because you're like, oh my god, did I get too much stuff? Will it even fit in the fridge? And there's always like people. There's always like milk stealers, or I'm like, oh, where's all my jam? That seems to be gone. <laughs> Milk thieves, that's bad. Damn. yeah I think because like we're so comfortable with each other we're like oh we'll just take a little bit of that and a little bit of that they won't find out Yeah. and then I'm like who stole my milk That's that's a really <laughs> healthy environment though. That's no that's that got is to good be healthy. totally Um, is there is there a? I don't think the answer to this is going to be yes, but I could be wrong because it is competition at the end of the day. You, you're you're spending time there with with folk that aren't just competing for Australia. Is there a Is there like a, I don't really know what I'm trying to say here. Is there some sort of Competitive. things, is there some some sort of things you won't talk about? Because, you know, this is only for Australia to talk about. This is our thing. We're, we're competing at the end of the day. I don't want to discuss this with, I don't know, Kenya, for example. Or are you Yeah. always helpful to each other? Well, in our house, like at the moment, there's only like Australians living, but I don't know. I think it's pretty open. I think everyone sort of knows what everyone does. Like it's not like, Athletics is quite simple at the end of the day. Like you just run, try and do, you know, like you train. Everyone does very similar training. I think every philosophy of training has pretty much been uncovered. So there's nothing really new. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't think any anything's like really kept under wraps. It's only like you don't really talk about like results or racing that much, you know. It's like, well, we don't anyway. Like if so especially if someone has a bad race, like, don't mention it <laughs> when Yeah, they come that, back that oh doesn't you just go be like oh how was you know paris or something like that did you see much of the city <laughs> yeah um yeah i think it's just yeah more that not there's not really any secrets I, I like that because I mean, we, we I've spoken a, a few times that we've brought quite a lot of different sports on with you know for the few, um, and I'm I don't play a lot of sports, but if I was to watch one sport, it'd probably be football, and Ed. Well, he might watch football is definitely a rugby fan um, and uh, the thing I hate about football is the sort of fan side you know it's it's never I think there's a lot less respect in football than there is in rugby and, and I've been watching a bit of clips of, of the Rugby World Cup lately and this isn't something I didn't know until last week that the respect that's had for, for the referee is, is good that doesn't happen in football like the referee Yeah. I did not the realize buck, that. nah, the ref, I did not realise the buck stops with the referee That's how it Oh, should be, geez, and yeah. it is not the case in football. And it's so, it's so, um, what's the word? Refreshing to sort of hear about sports like yours, roses like rugby, like like volleyball. That, that there is a respect and there is a sort of camaraderie together because I generally don't think football has that. It's really only football on its own. I'm pretty sure, Yeah. to be honest, that doesn't that has the little respect that it does.
Like it blows me away when I watch a football game now, uh, how much abuse a referee will take, and he'll just do nothing about it. Like, if I know. Anyone- it's so sad, and it's because like they wouldn't have the sport, like they wouldn't be playing if they didn't have a referee. I know it's mad. Like you, you watch a rugby game, and like if anybody but the captain speaks to the ref and just says one thing wrong, they're getting a penalty put against them. Well, it was it was Straight from up. I don't know if it was actually from the World Cup. I just <laughs> I watch a lot of sport on TikTok. <laughs> I don't know if we're all the same, but it's just a wee bit serious. I love TikTok. It's, it's dangerous. I had to delete it. Dangerous. Wasted too much of my life. Um, <laughs> I say I've like I've like accepted that I'm in the hole, so I'm like, give it to me. Any content? Yep. I love that. Yeah. But it was it was a video. I don't know if it was a World Cup or not, but as a referee, and it was this rugby player comes up to him. I mean, makes me look tiny, massive, massive, massive guy, and he's sort of going to go say something, and the the, the ref goes like, you know. You know, we can have a bit of crack. He was Irish, have a bit of crack. But what I say goes, and the guy said, yeah, sorry. And I was like, I love that. I've never yeah. seen I didn't realise it was like that. It's so cool to see. Um, so it was me that brought up rugby this time. Yeah, like, well done. <laughs> that was the, wrong, the, the wrong way around that time. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've absolutely loved this. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this episode. I did yeah, not... so far. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad, because that's a big part of it. Um, good. Yeah, no, it's been good chats. I... I did not expect when I started a podcast for a bit of crack one January that I would be speaking to an Olympian. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I said to um, Wallace just after you left, um, I said, oh, I'm, uh, I think I'm going to be able to get an Olympian on the pod. And he just went, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've not done anything bad. I was like, who have you got, like, you know, hostage? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, how did you find this person? Yeah. It's such yeah, a- I know. It's so funny how it all came to, like, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. But that that's why I love, like, I mean, I'm sure all sports are like it uh, in parts. So that's what I love about rugby, like, without rugby. Literally, it wouldn't wouldn't happen at all without. Oh, there you are. Yeah, you managed. You managed. It, to it, it wouldn't have second. straight up would not have happened without rugby. <laughs> without rugby, I would have never come to Dumfries. Exactly. I wouldn't have even known it existed. Really. What, <laughs> exactly. Why is this place called Stupid Chips? Why is it yeah. Stupid? <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's glass. It's good. Now, now you're cultured because you've been to Dumfries. Yeah. <laughs> Seen all of Dumfries. <laughs> <laughs> not Budapest. No. I was going to say, I'm going to be honest. I think when Rose walked into the free, she probably lost some culture. <laughs> just like reduced her culture. Budapest, Madrid, Paris, <laughs> nah, the free. Yeah. <laughs> where was the Where was the best part of your trip? And I'd be like, at Dumfries. <laughs> yeah, I got to take that. I got to take that. It's actually quite a funny story, Rose. When we got Ed as the co-host, I, we did. Aye, but a year ago now, we started doing like speech making things for our local young farmers. So basically just like teaching you how to speak correctly and all that sort of thing. And I was conscious that my podcast in food and farming was sort of hitting a ceiling. And I was like, I kind of want to do something different, like a new new thing and whatever. And I was like, right, I'm going to start looking for a co-host because I think that's probably the one thing that's missing. And uh, I watched him for like four months. I think I waited until we'd actually competed. Mm. And uh, his his role in the speech making was actually asking questions, so it was perfect. And I texted him, I was like, "Idea for you," and he was, which I'd, we do quite often, in fairness. Yeah, like, What's it going to be this time? Like, you know. And uh, yeah. I was like, "I want you to be a co-host in the podcast," and he was like, 
right, okay, yeah, good one. What are you actually asking me? And I was like, nah, genuinely. And I remember the first day, I was, I felt like a proud dad sitting here when he asked his first question. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> Ed. And now here we are. How many episodes have we done together? What, 10? Look how far you've come. Oh, it's mad. It's class. <laughs> but here, Rose, it's been an absolute joy. Uh, it really has been a pleasure having you on. As you said, you've had a good time, which which is good. You can tell. Um, and it's, uh, well, I watched the Olympics. I'm a massive fan of the Olympics and the World Cup and Euros and football. And now, I don't normally support Australia, but I've got a feeling I'm going to be looking out for someone competing for Australia, which is going to be pretty fun. But uh, yeah. thank you very much. Okay. For really do appreciate your time. Uh, but there's one thing that we need to do, and that is... I mentioned at the start that for our next guest, for the, you know, this guest asks the next guest a question. We don't know who our next guest is. Have we got an idea? Oh. Nah. nah, no idea. We want you to ask a question to our next guest and maybe we'll try. Oh, God. You put me on the spot. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, this is stressful. Um, okay. So you don't know what they do? You don't know? I don't think we've contacted anyone yet. Yeah, no. Nah. Like, there's a few people that are banded about. Okay. Then... Well, I guess you could ask them like their why. Like, why do they do it? Oh, that's that's. Why so... do they do what they do? I love that. Yeah. So why, why do you do lecturing? Why are you a lecturer? Well, it's an interesting one because, like, you know, Rose's thing. She was 10, she's what to do, yeah. I mean, did I think at 10 I wanted to be a lecturer? Nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one's sitting at 10 thinking, do you know what I want to do? Uh, but I, I think you know why I do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love it. That's yeah. probably why. Yeah, the day doesn't go by, I'm not excited to do it. And I've got a feeling your answer is pretty similar. Yeah. Cows is your answer. Uh, I mean, it's just never been anything else for me, to be fair. I mean, I just love my cows. Look at this giggle. Oh, you love the cows. I need, I need to go and check my cows actually. I think it's two calving. So. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are they good. still calving? Yeah, yes. Um I've had two today. Oh, I, I like showed Rose the calves. It was oh really? Awesome. I was blown away how many calves were born in like the yeah. space of time I was there. I was messaging my parents being like, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe it. Like, this. <laughs> they were like, like, I've never really been on a – I had never been on a farm since going to Ed's farm. So I was just like, whoa. <laughs> it's like awesome. a whole cool different world. <laughs> I, I showed them the cows and they were like, they are humongous. Just <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, how does that fit? Like, did they grow? Like, I'm so confused. Yeah. How does that fit? I love that. I love that. So cool. This is this is so weird because we've we've actually had two now, two Australian professional athletes on this podcast. Um mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. But Jack. Who was the other one? Uh, uh, you probably won't know me. He's actually my cousin. Uh, Jack Iredale's his name. He plays for Bolton. he plays football for Bolton here in, 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 in Scotland. <laughs> UK. Okay, 
cool. But he, um, the, the reason I'm saying this isn't just because of that, you know, Australian professional athlete on the podcast, but Jack came to our farm and fed a calf and was so shocked by the size of cows as well. <laughs> That's <laughs> such a comparison. That's so strange. Um, must be a That's thing funny. It's like in cattle. But here, Rose, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, and uh, yeah, for those of you listening, um, pretty cool episode for 150th. If you told me, when did I start? Like 16th of January 2021, I think. So almost two years ago, we'll be sitting here having filmed 120, 150 episodes and having had an Olympian on would have probably jumped at the opportunity and thought, yeah. I'll take those odds. Yeah. Like, that's pretty good going. So no, thank you to everyone that listens to any episodes that used to watch episodes, to anyone that supports the channel and, and social media. And uh, yeah, as always, anyone that you want to come on the podcast, get in touch. We have just had an Olympian if you tell me someone of this caliber to come on, I'm not saying it's going to happen again, but try and give us some advice and that would be cool to have you on. So we'll see you for the next episode, which will be number 151, because such is the way of numbers. I have no idea who that guest is with, but we'll see you then. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs>